This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now joining me here on the French Lake Resort guest line is Craig Ken. Let me give you a little background on Craig. He's from LaGrange, Illinois, and like my next guest, Shane Utley, Craig attended the University of Missouri and graduated in 1988. You know Craig from his time broadcasting on the Golf Channel as a lead anchor and a studio host, did the pre- and post-game shows for Golf Central, did play-by-play for the PGA, LPGA, and what was then the Nationwide Tours as well. You saw him on their coverage of all the majors and the Ryder Cup as well. Craig has been the chief communications officer for the LPGA. He's currently leading his own company, Can Advisory Group, and you can hear him on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. He and John Cook have a show on Monday nights, which is awesome. He's a guy that I've watched and learned from over the years. I kind of have a mentorship with him from a distance, watching all the great stuff that he did on the YouTube channel and, uh, and really kind of paying attention to how you get it done. And no one's done it better than Craig, and I'm very excited he is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Craig, thanks for coming on the show. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for the intro. Very kind of you, and uh, I'm glad to be able to be with you tonight. So, Craig, kind of quite by happenstance, I've got you and Stan Utley on the show tonight, both of Missouri, <laughs> Missouri alumni. Did you guys know each other in college? So, we didn't know each other in college, but uh, I have an amazing respect for uh, what he's been able to do, not just as a professional golfer and what he got out of his game and, and also how he's impacted other people uh, through the game. He is a, he is one of the best teachers in the game. I think one of the great things about Stan is, you know, he is not the guy who's going to help you hit it 350 yards off the tee. And that's not where strokes are game anyway. He's the guy that's going to help you around the green. He's one of the best short game guys anywhere in the world. I'm not talking about the United States. I'm talking about the world. And the other great thing about Stan is he's an unassuming star. He doesn't walk around looking for glory. He's not always trying to build that brand to the point that um, all you do is hear overkill from, from what he's doing and how he's doing it. He goes about his business quietly, but he does it so well, and he makes a great impact for people. Um, just one of the nicest guys you could ever meet in the game of golf. I'm a big fan, and... Um, you know, we talk Missouri Tigers stuff whenever we see each other. So I'm really happy for his success. And I saw some videos of the two of you on set at the Golf Channel, kind of going through Stan's putting tips. Did, did you get an opportunity to, to pick his brain off camera, maybe help your own game a little bit? Did you get to spend some time with him? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, I was once upon a time a four-point-something-or-another handicap Academy Live. And once I started hosting Academy Live at the Golf Channel, my handicap Stored. I am I am so gullible. I will listen to any teacher, anybody who tells me something. I'll try it. I'll I'll use it, and I'll try to put it into play. And the problem with that is, the minute you do that, um, you start listening to everybody, and then you get all messed up. And my handicap went up to about a ten in no time. So you know, one guy would come in this week and say, "Step in with the right foot in your stance." The next guy would come in the next week. You want to start with the left foot. One guy says, you know, bring the club back inside. The other guy says, bring it back straight up, straight down. I mean, I was a mess. Uh, but what was Stan, it was all about the short game. It was about putting. It was about uh, the, the putter face and, and uh, impact and all of that stuff. And I, I learned a lot of things. I mean, it's not that easy to get your short game fine-tuned. That, that I will say. And the older I get, I think the older we all get, um, you start realizing that uh, 
strokes around the green are, are where you're going to, you know, make your make your money if you're if you're betting with people. It's interesting that you mentioned, you know, talking about all the different uh, swing thoughts and all the different instructors. I've had Peter Kessler on the show many times, and Peter said the same thing. You, you start to get all these different swing thoughts, and it, it, next thing you know, like to your point, you go from a four to a ten, or you go from a four to a fifteen. Because you're trying to think about too many things and too many opposing thoughts, how do you get how do you get back to being a four? How do you get the thoughts back out of your head and find your own swing? Well, it's kind of like what I coach when I do speaking uh, around the country. You know, I, I I tell people, and I told a guy on the phone today who who's going to come work with me for a day um, for some upcoming talks that he has to give. I said, look, I'm not going to make you the best public speaker in the world. I'm not going to make you the best presenter in the world. What I am going to do is I'm going to make you your best speaker and your best presenter. So when it comes to the golf swing, you know, we can all try to say we want to swing it like Dustin Johnson or Brooks Koepka or Tiger Woods or, or uh, you know, on, on the ladies tour, Stacey Lewis or uh, Brittany Lipscomb or uh, Lydia Ko. But you know what? It's, you got to be you. And there are a lot of people that have had great success in the game by simply being themselves. Look at Jim Furyk. Perfect. Look at Matthew Wolf now. People are, are trying to emulate that. They'll, they'll drive themselves crazy. You've got to focus on on what brought you there. And I always say, you know, to this day, you know, Sirius XM stuff, when we analyze it on the weekends and so forth, how many players either change equipment, change golf coaches, change swings, whatever, trying to get better. And they end up not ending up better. They end up potentially off the tour. And we, we could come up with a few names real quick, you know, um, back when some methods were, were popular and, and whatnot. So I always say, just be you, focus on being you, and the same goes with golf. Craig, I want to go back to the time you were at the at the Golf Channel, and you were there when the channel launched, first went on the air in 95, and so was another great friend of the show, Keith Hirschland. I was curious uh, what you remember about working alongside of Keith. So I started out there, uh, and I was, Solely Golf Central as a reporter on the PGA Tour and did some LPGA and obviously anchored Golf Central in the studio and a bunch of other shows. And then um, there was a little bit of a regime change. Tony Tortorisi was the executive producer, or the you know my boss basically, and uh, he gave me some opportunities in live golf with keys on his team. And then a guy by the name of Don McGuire, uh, former Turner executive, came in and, and also saw something in me to put me out there on some live tournament golf. Um, I started out doing some on-course commentary uh, on what was then the Buy.com tour, believe it or not. So we got to go back a ways. And uh, then I ended up doing stuff in boot. And I did boot work for the LPGA and PGA Tours Thursday, Fridays on the PGA Tour coverage. This was before the Golf Channel ended up with the PGA Tour contract. So at the time, we had about 30 events, 33 events total. And I worked with Keith Hurstland, and, um, you know, to this day, uh, I will tell anybody this, and there are a lot of great golf producers out there. Uh, Tommy Roy's amazing. Lance Barrow's had a great career. Jack Graham was at ABC and is now at Golf Channel as an executive. Um, but I will say that Keith Hurstland is as good as anybody there ever has been. I really believe that. Um, now, he shows a lot of golf shots. And you got to move quickly, and he doesn't like <laughs> anchors and hosts that do a lot of yapping because he wants more golf shots and keep the thing moving. But at the same time, uh, he really... He really has a great cadence, and that's what it's all about. It's uh, it's a bit of a disappointment that he's not still in it at some level because he should be. He's that good. I, I truly enjoyed my time there. He made me better, 
And I, I learned a lot uh, under his watch, sitting there as a host um, of how to do it because I hadn't done it before. And he kept me calm and uh, gave me uh, a great guidance of, of how to basically quarterback and run a golf show, um, keeping everybody else in the mix, the uh, on-course announcers and um, the other analysts that were in the booth. It was it was a terrific opportunity. Keith is fantastic. And Craig, when you guys started out, were you confident that a 24-hour golf channel would no. work? Or was there, a, <laughs> was there a moment in time when you figured out, hey, this is going to work? Well, uh, I, I just got done sending in a manuscript for a book I've got that I've been working on for more than a year that's going to come out. There's a chapter in there, obviously, about the golf channel. But I will tell you, I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan for four years. Um, I worked in local news. I was in Columbus, Georgia, Fort Myers, Florida, then Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo. Uh, on my way to the golf channel. And when I got that opportunity, and I always tell people this story, um, a guy by the name of Mike Whalen was the executive who put all the programming together and brought in all the talent, not only in front of the camera, but many of the lead producers, including guys like Hirschland. Um, and he brought me down. He flew me down from Kalamazoo first class, which was amazing. I mean, I was so, so thrilled. Now he flew me back coach and I could never figure out why that was. But he offered me the opportunity to be on the golf channel as a PGA Tour beat reporter and host Golf Central. And he only gave me 24 to 48 hours to make a decision as to whether I was going to take that job or not. And I was one of the original six. It didn't take me that long. And what I believed was, I believed in Arnold Palmer and I believed in Joe Gibbs. And I believed in, in what they believed. And if Arnold Palmer was going to put his name on something, I felt like it would have a longevity to it. How long, I didn't know. What properties the Golf Channel would get, you couldn't predict, but I knew that it was a great opportunity for me. And I felt like if it didn't work out, maybe after five years or whatever it might be, that the resume tape that I would have from a studio that was amazing and a game that I love and love to talk about, I would have a better resume tape with national exposure than what I had before. And I could always go do something else. But I think all of us collectively, and we could run down the list of names, Brian Hammonds, Jennifer Mills, Mike Ritz, Dwayne Ballin, you probably don't remember him. Um, Linda Cardwell was the other anchor with Brian Hammonds, Mike Ritz, Tom Nettles. All of us, we worked our tails off. And I mean that. Um, we were turning three, four stories a day to provide content for that network. And, and everybody was playing a role behind the scenes, in front of the cameras. Camera guys were amazing. Producers were terrific um, across the board. And so I did believe that we had something special. And it was a real great group of people who were dedicated to making it work. And there was a lot of, you know, people say sweat and all that sort of stuff. There was just a lot of passion, a lot of energy. And um, it was so great to be a part of it. And then you had people like, you know, uh, Rich Lerner come in a little bit later. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, everybody knows now from ESPN, but he was working there as a production person and, and he worked his way up and obviously an amazing talent. And Kelly Tillman was in the library. And so I just think we were all a team and there wasn't a huge uh, collective group of ego. We all wanted to work to help each other out. And I, I did feel like we were going to make it. I really did believe that. So Craig, as we start looking ahead now to the masters, I know you got to be a, a part of that event. Um, some of your favorite memories, what was it like covering a, a, an event like that at Augusta National and, and being a part of a major? I was very fortunate. Mike Ritz and I were the first two reporters ever to cover the Masters for the Golf Channel. That was 1995. And uh, the first story I ever did was, everything is green. 
And the point of that being that the golf course was as green as I'd ever seen. Uh, the trash bags are all green. You know, the wrappers on the sandwiches are all green. Everything there, the cups that you drink from, everything's green. So if anything fell on the ground, it would all blend in. Uh, I was uh, so fortunate to cover Ben Crenshaw's victory that week. It was uh, it was a terrific experience. I didn't realize the undulations that were on the golf course. Obviously, I didn't realize that the patrons would run in as fast as they could to try to get a seat at the 18th. So I was there in 95, and I also won the lottery. They have a media lottery to be able to play the golf course. And I got to play it my first go-around. They didn't have that, that spectacular wow. driving range that they have now. But I got to play it in 95 after Crenshaw's win. Had to start on the 10th hole. And I will tell you something. After no warm-ups, because you were not allowed to hit balls, Amen Corner comes up real fast on you. And, you know, <laughs> to have a caddy, to buy a yardage book, to plot your way around on the golf course, um, I kept every shot. I, I can't find that yardage book now. It really ticks me off. But I, I shot 88 that day, you know, and uh, my handicap wasn't a four at that time. It was higher than that, but I worked my way down. Uh, but I felt good about it. I, I three-putted a bunch of times, but I had a great time and, and uh, just tried to soak it all in. So that was one experience. I was there in 97 when Tiger won, and I was the guy that got picked uh, to, to interview Tiger in the locker room. I'll always remember that, uh, the sit-down interview, the exclusive that we got along with ESPN and CBS uh, was, was really special, and CNN, there were only a few of us in there. So that was a neat experience to do. Uh, I was there for several other victories as well, but to cover the Masters was just spectacular and, and walk around there and be there as many times as I have. I'm, I'm truly blessed for that opportunity. All right, so I got to live vicariously through you a little bit. What's it like standing on the 12th tee trying to figure out that golf shot and then pulling it off? So if I remember right, I made a four on that hole. Uh, I, uh, you know, I wasn't that nervous, believe it or not. I mean, there, there really isn't as much nervousness as you would think uh, to me. You know, it, it's whatever it is, an eight iron or, or seven iron or nine iron, depending upon the wind, whatever it might be. Uh, but, but I loved it. And you just stand there and you look at it and you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Walking over the bridge. Amazing. You're standing there and you look back, all that sort of stuff. But, uh, to me, you know, even the walk down the 10th on my first ever hole played at Augusta national, uh, was, was spectacular. Um, I only made one birdie that day. It was on the front nine and, uh, and I did four putt 17. I put it right off the green. I always remember that too. Uh, but it was, it was just spectacular. We had a, we had a wonderful day that day. It was warm. Um, uh, you know, I can't say enough good things about that place. And I've always, I've always felt it was special. I know I'm not alone. I'm not the Lone Ranger in that thing, but, uh, you know, I, I hope to be able to go back again. I don't, I don't get as many opportunities as I did. You know, when you're with the golf channel, you, you get to go every couple of years or every year or whatever it might be. Uh, but I, I'd love to go back for sure. And Craig, I, I don't think any course more than Augusta National is showing the impact that technology has had on the game. I mean, they've had to buy up yeah. a, the Strip Plaza and what used to be Berkman's Road to, to lengthen the fifth hole. They've bought some land from uh, Augusta Country Club so they can lengthen the 13th hole. I mean, do, your thoughts on on the technology and, and what, what you think the USGA and the RNA should do as a solution to kind of bring the game back a little bit? Well, I, huh, we, we could do a whole show on this. Um, I'm not going to claim to be the, the most versed on every bit of the, of the report that came out. What I will say is it's disappointing that it took so long for that report to come out to basically tell us what we already knew in the first place. 
Um, we all know that distance is, is what it is. Uh, you know, to me, anybody that thinks, you know, they, they say, oh, maybe we, we should, you know, have different equipment and different golf balls for the pros and the, and the amateurs. Don't fool yourself. Those guys and women that are playing out on the tour are not playing the same equipment we're playing. Their shafts are different. They're playing prototype almost everything. Everything is custom made for them. And so you can go into Edwin Watts or PGA Tour Superstore or whatever the shop is around you. Um, you're not going to get exactly what somebody else has got unless they broke their putter or their wedge and had to send somebody down to go pick one out of a store. Um, so, so there's that. Um, I think it's very difficult to tell manufacturers, uh, balls and equipment that they have to stop technology. But at the same time, I think, um, if you look at tennis balls, I don't think they've improved all that much over the years. Um, they're, they're pretty much the same. Baseballs might have different laces at the, at the little league level versus the single A level versus the college level versus the triple A level versus the major league level. They all are a little bit different. Um, but, but by and large, you know, um, I think it would be okay to some degree for us to have a golf ball that didn't change all that much. Um, I think equipment, is, you know, is what it is. Um, everybody wants to get better. I don't think you should tell, uh, Craig can or, or you or somebody else that, that we're going to halt progress on technology and, and not allow the game, uh, to be made a little bit easier. Um, at the same time, I, I don't think we should go too far with it either. I think we got to be very careful. Uh, there are so many golf courses out there that are not overly long that need to still be in rotation. You know, uh, St. Andrews is not a long golf course, obviously. Uh, Pebble Beach is not a long golf course. Augusta National has been made longer and longer. And, uh, you know, you, you depend upon the weather and, and what you might get. That golf course has eliminated a lot of the guys that won years and years ago that really don't know that they can stand on that first tee and play 18 holes. It's just too hard, too long, and too difficult. Uh, I don't, for one, and I'll make this short, put a wrap on this topic. I don't love watching golf tournaments where guys are bombing at 340 and 350. It doesn't do anything for me. Um, I want to see people hit it in the fairway. So I miss golf courses with rough and I miss golf courses with trees. I don't like PGA Tour events that have no trees. Um, and I don't like the run of courses that were in the 90s, uh, which were all built around or the 80s built around, uh, you know, property. Uh, and houses and law, you know, walking is gone. Uh, courses like Colonial and Harbor Town and different courses like that, where you can't walk a short distance between tees and greens. So I just hope we can maintain those courses on the PGA Tour and not lose the likes of some of the great ones that we've lost already. It's a very slippery slope. I get that, and I do hope that uh, that we continue to have these discussions, at least that it's top of mind. Craig, just a couple more before I let you go. And like I mentioned in your intro, you do a great show now on Sirius XM's PGA Tour Radio with John Cook. Um, what's it like working alongside of John and doing that show with him? Well, I came on board at Sirius to do a show with Chris DeMarco, and then he went champion tour full-time, and the show was on Sunday morning. And he, uh, you know, he can't do it. I mean, there's no cut. So uh, he was going to be playing golf, and that wasn't going to work, so that show went away. And John Cook called me. I said, Craig, I'd love you to be my host. I don't really enjoy hosting for an hour and hear myself talk. I was flattered. Um, I've actually covered, I think, three of John's victories on the PGA Tour, uh, which was which was pretty much of a thrill. I've always respected him. And it didn't take me long to say, yeah, let's give it a shot. And uh, so I think they gave us like a, a month or two to, to see how it would work. And we're, uh, we're on year number two now. So 
everything was going great. They moved us into a drive time situation. We, uh, we really thrive on getting great guests and name people, not just in golf, but outside of golf and broadcasters and all walks in the game. It's a lot of fun. He's a great guy. He's well connected. That's the show being called connected. I feel like I've got a decent Rolodex and we have, we have a great time with that show. I truly enjoy it. And then I get to do the post game on the weekend, uh, with Mark Lyon, who I worked with day one at the golf channel. So. I'm really enjoying the serious XM stuff. It's so different from television, but the producers and everybody there, it's a, it's a really fantastic team to work with, and, and uh, I'm having a blast, no question. So talk about the other thing that you're doing away from golf, and that's your your company, uh, Can Advisory Group, and the, some of the keynote speaking and, and the things that you're doing with that organization. Well, I am, I am blessed. There's no question about it. Had I not been the chief communications officer at the LPGA or the lead anchor at Golf Channel for a number of years, I don't think I'm doing what I'm doing right now with, with the success that I'm having with it. Um, I feel like I've got a good message to share no matter what uh, what my background is. And I, I think I've taken all the years in television and speaking and presenting uh, and the speeches that I've given and how to do it and how to connect with an audience to help other people. Um, as I said earlier, I don't teach people to be the best public speaker in the world, but I can teach them to be their best. And I do, um, people say, what do you do? You know, and, um, can advisory group, it's elevating communication and I help companies and I help individuals and I help organizations, um, to help shape and, and share their message. And it's not easy today. There's a lot of companies out there trying to fight for attention and, um, awareness. And that stuff is like currency today. Everybody's talking, but uh, very few people really have a good, solid message. And there are a lot of companies that have employees that are just that. They're not ambassadors. They don't know the company's story. They don't know how to deliver it. Sales teams that, that go in trying to sell something without realizing it's a smile before it's a sale. And we connect with people, not brands. So people have to figure out how to get in front of others and deliver a story that's compelling, shareable, and creates conversation and word-of-mouth marketing. So that's what I do. If they say, Craig, well, what are you? I say, I'm an elevator. I elevate people to become better. I elevate brands to become bigger. And I elevate events to become grander. So you can hire me to do a keynote, and I'll give it my best shot to make it an experience for everybody that'll get people talking. You hire me to be a consultant for your company. I'm going to help deliver the wow, not the what, because that's what's going to get attention. And we're going to work closely on that brand development. And if you hire me to do a workshop or something else, I am going to take your employees and I'm going to empower them and inspire them to become the best of themselves and be able to deliver and share a message. I love doing it. It's been an absolute blast. And uh, I've had some great clients, you know, Transamerica and Accenture and Diamond Resorts and Titleist is a big client of mine as well. Um, there are a lot of companies uh, in a lot of places in the country and obviously a lot of keynotes tied to golf. Um, for various organizations, just got back from Kentucky with the Kentucky section of the PGA, going to the New England section of the PGA, coming up at the end of the month, doing a keynote at Butler National this summer. Um, you know, so a lot of neat things uh, that are all tied to this, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I feel like uh, I'm able to help people. I'll leave you with this. A long time ago, when I was when I was at Golf Channel, I started asking myself, you know, what am I going to do as my second act? Now, I didn't know that second act was going to be chief communications officer of the LPGA. And I thank Mike Juan for that opportunity. I learned amazing things with that for five years. But um, but I always wanted to not just be known as the Golf Channel guy or the TV guy. And so I started working on what my next was and what my career pivot might be able to be. So I've been working on this for quite some time, a number of years, and to be able to put it into motion and not just make a paycheck, but make a difference for people. 
that's what it's all about to me. And that's what success is all about is helping others. And I feel like I'm able to do that and connect with people. So, Craig, let our listeners know, how can they get more information about what you're doing, follow you online and on social media as well? Well, Twitter is at Craig Can with two Ks, K-R-A-I-G-K-A-N-N, or at Can Advisory. Uh, same thing goes for Instagram at Craig Can. Uh, the website is canadvisory.com, K-A-N-N, advisory.com. And uh, I would love to hear from you. There's no doubt about it. I, if you've got a company and you want to turn your employees into real speakers, real presenters that know your company's story and can make a difference and drive revenue and drive sales and drive attention and awareness, uh, I'd love to come do a workshop. I call it the Elevate Workshop. It is not uh, It is not your normal run-of-the-mill leadership career development day. It is a leadership experience, and uh, it's all based on communication, presentation, branding, and bonding. Your team will have a blast, and I do individual uh, consulting as well with people one-on-one. So that's how they can get a hold of me, canadvisory.com, or go ahead and uh, direct message me on Twitter, at Craig Camp. Well, Craig, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and be a part of the show. You're fantastic, my friend. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. I'd love to. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, thanks to everybody there for uh, for listening. I, I really appreciate it. Craig, take care. All the best to you and your family. Hopefully we get to catch up soon. Thank you. That's a great Craig Can, my friend. K-A-N-N is uh, how his last name is spelled, and a lot of great stuff and a lot of great videos out there as well. You can look them up on YouTube. You can see some of the great stuff that he did uh, back in the days with, with the Gao Channel, some of the great speeches that he is doing now. It, it really is inspiring stuff. He's not uh, just overselling himself. I'm telling you, I've looked at a lot of those videos, and it really is great. So I hope uh, we do get the uh, the blessing of having Craig back on the show again soon. Like I say, it's it's fantastic to have him the same night as Stan Utley is on with us as well, two guys from uh, from Missouri that uh, have both gone on to do great things. And like I say, uh, Craig's fantastic. Check him out online, follow him on social media, and uh, do the best we can to get him back again real soon. 